It is Wednesday, May 12th, 2021. Still getting over a cold, but we got a two for four today. We've got recurring guest Mark Sessler from Around the NFL podcast. He comes on, talks Tim Tebow, Aaron Rodgers, AFC North, some storylines, breakout teams. You do not want to miss it. Then three-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Pro Bowler, and the best, I think it's fair to say, the best offensive lineman that Joe Montana ever had uh, blocking for him, Mr. Randy Cross. We talk it all. We talk Trey Lance to the Niners, them trading up to the, number th- the third overall pick, their offseason as a whole, their draft hall. Then he goes into detail, breaking down the game of Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, and for the Washington football team, Samuel Cosby. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Pond Further Review podcast. And if you're on social media, follow us at UFR Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, and we're even on YouTube for video episodes. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Sessler. My next guest is a writer for the NFL media. He is a columnist for uh, the NFL.com, as well as a member of the Around the NFL podcast and TV show. Ladies and gentlemen, recurring guest, three-time guest. I don't think that's the thing. Three-time guest, Mr. Mark Sessler. Mark, is everything going for you? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's like, uh, we, I think we do this about once a year, it seems. So, um, yeah. so thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. That, that's nice you. of you. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, so, Draft just wrapped up a couple weeks ago. Kind of have some interesting storylines circulating in the NFL right now. Want to kind of get your take on it um, and see kind of like things you've heard and maybe it'll maybe different perspectives of kind of what's going on. Maybe uh, so people can kind of learn about that stuff a little bit more. And obviously the number one thing is um, Tim Tebow is now the tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, do you see him making the team? Well, you know, we talked about this on our show yesterday and I, I guess like, uh, I agree from like a physical angle. I mean, if you look at, if you look at like the players that have skipped this um, vast amount of time and then try to come back into the NFL, there's a, there's really only like seven or eight of them. And in some of them are from, you know, way back when in like the thirties, there aren't a lot of real examples. I mean, in, 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 you know, Doug Flutie did, but that's because he was playing elsewhere. So to, to stop playing football at all, to go do other things with life, broadcasting to, to, to attempt a Mets career and then come back um, and to be his age. I mean, in any other situation than the Jaguars, I would say, no, there's literally probably no chance that it's like, um, it's a nice sort of headline and it it creates some intrigue and media chat talk points. But the only thing I would think of a little bit that that gives it a possibility is just Urban Meyer that he, this is his guy. I mean, he loves Tim Tebow. And I think that Tim Tebow is someone that you can use in a lot of different ways. I think he'd have to be more than just a tight end. Um, he'd probably be, you know, there's already people putting out plays showing Tebow being used in so many different ways when he was last here. Immense odds stacked against it happening. Um, but the fact that they did it is already so illogical. Like the fact that they signed him is so bizarre and illogical. And I don't think it's just um, for, you know, media attention because it's kind of like we did the Tebow thing. We're a little bit over it and we're past it. So, I mean, do they think he can be um, someone that on a team with a lot of young players and a young quarterback can be a leader? And maybe that's even just through the offseason process and then he doesn't make the team. But the fact that they did it to me is so bizarre that I like there must be thinking um, in Urban Meyer's camp that 
he, there is faith that he can use Tebow in a certain way. I don't think you just do it to make Tebow go through the process with no chance. And, and what did they tell Tim Tebow? You have no chance to make this roster, but we're doing this just for giggles. So I, it's a weird move. Um, I, like, I think the problem is like, where is his body at? You know, I like, you know, I love to have my body at age 32, but apparently for him, that's, that's a big negative, um, you know, wait and see, but if he can still play, if he can look like he did back then, um, I think he, they did it for a reason, but, but like football is a pretty sparse and what allows you to do if you leave for so long. So it's a huge uphill climb for him. Do you think it's to deflect pressure off Trevor Lawrence? You know, I, yeah, I, I see people saying that, but I, I think like you don't draft Trevor Lawrence if you're concerned about how we can take the pressure. I mean, you know, like Trevor Lawrence is like, no one's expecting the Jacksonville Jaguars. He wasn't like the cherry on top of a Super Bowl roster. They've done a lot to make that roster better than it was. Um, and they weren't as terrible as their record last year. They were close in, in, in a certain amount of games. And, and you can, you could see them, you know, st- they were a better team than, the, than their finishing mark was. But I don't think when it comes to Trevor Lawrence, you're thinking we need to protect him. We need to shield him. There's really nothing about the Trevor Lawrence story that suggests that. I mean, he's, he's gone at every stage of his career, high school into college and, and, and you know, overachieved and, and, and met expectations are overachieved. And I think the Jaguars drafted him thinking he'll do that again. So, and, and you know, if anything, I, I think the thing about Tebow is um, I think he burnt out. I think the Tebow experience burnt out locker rooms in the past and like, especially with the jets. I mean, it was a total circus. And so there's a risk involved. I don't think it helps um, anyone at all on that front because it's probably going to bring, if people do latch onto this Tebow thing beyond a week or two, it's going to bring more reporters and more press into a locker room that has one of the smaller, you know, network of beat reporters. Jacksonville's sort of on the outskirts. You know, that used to be the way the San Diego Chargers were. It was like you could bring players there, like Manti Teo when he went to San Diego. One of the people people thought the upside was. He's sort of out of the you know media glare out there, and I think Jacksonville's the same way. So it's not a terrible landing spot for a number one overall pick. And then I wanted to ask you. Obviously, the big bombshell during the draft was the news, the reports that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay after a long history of kind of disappointments, him not really being on the same page as the front office, and maybe him potentially wanting greener pastures. Um, do, do you? What percent chance do you think there is that he's he's already played his last out of football if they don't want to trade him? Um, 60. Really? Uh, well, I, I, because just because this whole story to me exists because Aaron Rodgers is a different type of quarterback than um, many we've seen before. Uh, you know, he's, he's hosting Jeopardy. He has extreme interests outside of the sport. And I think the Jordan, the drafting of Jordan Love trading up for him, you know, it's no secret that you know, the minute that happened, he was talking about his career with Green Bay ending. So like, I, it just feels like, you know, we're in this world now where quarterbacks in general um, are demanding uh, more respect. They want to be part of decision making. Uh, they don't want to be sideswiped and embarrassed by decisions. I think that that move to get love was embarrassing to Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, you know, it's no small thing to me that a year later on the draft, the story comes out. I understand that Aaron Rodgers says, you know, he didn't plan for that to happen at all, or the timing, you know, I think the thing here is why, why it could be lower than 60 is that green Bay's um, desire to move on from Aaron Rodgers is probably closer to is much closer to zero. They, they technically own the leverage. Um, There were reports today that they'd offered him 
you know, they're, they're working on a, on concept of a massive extension. Maybe that'll do it. Uh, but, but where we stand right now, I, I just think that um, if you get to a point where you look at, you already drafted the quarterback that's meant to be a successor. So when you did that, you created this like huge problem. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers does not have to play. He can sit out. And that to me is really tricky because it resembles what probably would have been the Deshaun Watson scenario if all that hadn't gone in another direction. And then if you're the Texans in that case, minus all the off-field stuff, do you just, do you play um, a game of chicken all season long and have to start someone else? I mean, if Aaron Rodgers will not play and they they will not trade him um, and we lose him for a year, then it becomes closer to, you know, the Carson Palmer situation, which ultimately the Bengals, you know, they had leverage there too, but they had to move on. And then someone came with an offer, Hugh Jackson of all people, that they couldn't turn down. And so I, I just think at some point he would not be with the Packers if he doesn't want to be a Packer today. I was watching the, um, I don't know if you saw the 30 for 30 for a couple of years ago, uh, Elway to Marino. Yeah, I've seen that. It's been a while, but yeah. yeah. So I was watching it last night and I completely, well, I wasn't born, but I, 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 I didn't realize how long um, it took the Colts to trade Elway. They didn't get a good return at all. So I think, you think, especially with some of the other, like, especially with Washington botching the trade for Trent Williams, they could, I remember reports were coming out, they could have potentially get maybe one or maybe a one plus more. They end up getting a conditional third. If you lose him for a year, I don't know if you saw him with the Derby, his hair is looking a little, he looks like a, a wizard and he looks <laughs> suspiciously skinny. Um, if he likes the Jeopardy thing, I don't think he's bluffing. So if you hold off on a year, you see what Jordan Love does and Jordan Love really doesn't pass the eye test and you say, all right, we'll move Aaron. You're losing value. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you have to think about when, when do you, when is he, when is his value at the highest? And if he's off the radar for a season, um, you know, you're, you're sort of moving into another world. I think his value will always be high because there's also, you know, this is so different than that whole John Elway, Elway period, obviously. And front offices um, view draft picks so differently. Uh, I, I would just look at what it took San Francisco to move up to number three from number 12. I mean, there's no way um, anyone is trading Aaron Rodgers without it being a massive haul in return. And, you know, they've talked about multiple first round picks and players. Um, but if you move a season out, maybe that just becomes just an incredible um, array of first round picks because this is, you know, arguably the best quarterback on earth. I think Tom Brady is, but a lot of people would say, you know, minus the, the titles, it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, and he's, we also live in a time where, you know, his age back in the Marino days um, would have been the end of your career. Now, you know, th- if Aaron Rodgers is, uh, you know, he, if he has the same makeup as Brady, if he can do what Brady did, you've got another three or four seasons and it also completely changes your franchise. So the Broncos have always made sense because Elway can't find a quarterback in the draft. He can, he can lure veterans and that's how he won that other Super Bowl. So, um, and they have a lot to offer. They, they, they're also a team without a surefire starting quarterback for the future. I don't believe in Drew Locke in that way. So what kind of a player or, t- or position of prospect do you think is what Green Bay is looking for that they don't currently have that could potentially sway them? Is it a, an edge rusher? They already have an elite receiver. They've got a pretty good offensive line. They've got a great uh, secondary. What do you think is the piece that somebody could wave in front of them that can make them actually pick up the phone? Well, I think it has to be, I think it has to be centered on picks. Um, and, and I don't think they're even thinking that way right now. I just, I just don't think that if you're, if you're 
that Green Bay front office, you don't want this stink on you for the rest of time. I mean, you want to find a resolution. I think that they're dug in on trying to correct this, course correct this. And when you hear about, look, at they're trying to give him more money. I mean, that can solve a lot of this. But, you know, when they've talked about like the Broncos trade, it's someone like Noah Fant in return, um, a premier wide receiver. I mean, you want what you'd want to do, I think, is do everything you could to create a smooth transition for Jordan Love. I mean, the biggest issue here, I, I think, is that all the reports of Jordan Love last season, he wasn't even the backup. He was not in any way ready for prime time. I mean, their front office still talked about him being a ways away. And, you know, first of all, you traded up for this guy um, and maybe you thought that you could kind of finesse him into the situation for two or three years and that Rodgers, the way that, you know, he and Favre had would accept that transition. But Aaron Rodgers isn't that type of guy. And I, I, I think, you know, Jordan Love, what kind of support was he receiving last year in the quarterback room? We don't know. Um, but all reports were he was not ready to play. So him starting games um, in September is a really perilous route. I mean, you're going from the league MVP to a rookie, a green rookie, um, who will, you know, the one thing I feel for him is like, he's going to be the opposite of a fan favorite. How many people are going to be in Green Bay excited for Jordan Love if all this thing leads to like an apocalyptic finish? So I also think that from a player angle, a human angle, he's in a really tough spot. And it's a really tough spot for the front office to negotiate if suddenly he's their starter. So I think everything they're doing is saying, we have got to figure this thing out with Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, you can't figure it out with someone that wants to break up with you. You can't control that sometimes. Yeah. So I want to run a quote by you. Um, I know we, we both know Dave Damachek. I had him on the show last week. I don't know if you heard the interview, but he had, he had one quote in, during the interview that, I, that I, uh, I wrote out, and I wanted to run by you and get your opinion on it. We're talking about the AFC North. I know you're a big Browns guy. And he was talking about the Steelers going on and on, and he, he turned to the Browns and he said, it's funny how thoroughly they've been able to hide their quarterback. And I want to get your rebuttal on that statement. Well, I think, you know, a year ago, you could have made an argument if you really believed in Joe Burrow that the Browns had the fourth best quarterback in that division because you were coming off a really messy season um, where I think Dave would be coming from, too, where you could also make a case if you were not a Bakerite um, is that Stefanski's Kevin Stefanski's offense um, for certain types of quarterbacks. I mean, we saw it with Kirk Cousins. Uh, is, is really wonderful for quarterbacks. And, it, and it, you know, it reduces mistakes and puts you in a position to succeed. I'd also look at Baker and say that like part of the issue with Baker was um, the perception that he was mouthy and all these other things. Well, last year, he, he really couldn't have been more of a team-friendly um, pro-Browns guy. I mean, he did everything they asked. And if you look at the fact that he threw, I think like one interception that over, you know, down the last seven games of the season and had a couple really pristine games. I mean, he was, you know, everyone focuses on Big Ben's meltdown in that playoff game. Baker Mayfield, under immense pressure um, to win uh, Cleveland's first playoff game since January of 1995, um, played an excellent game. I mean, made big plays and he played really well against the Chiefs. I mean, they had one bad interception, but to me, I think it shows you a quarterback that grew last season. So I don't view him um, to that they have to play around him the way I think about some other quarterbacks. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but man, he can throw it. He's exciting. He can do everything you ask. And if he, you know, he's never had like so many of these other quarterbacks in the AFC North, the same coach, even two off seasons in a row. And, you know, last off season couldn't have been more chaotic with what was going on. So the fact that that whole team came together the way it did and Baker showed the growth that he did, 
I would say, you know, it was a no brainer to give them the fifth year extension. Um, they didn't give him a huge, they're not doing anything beyond that. So you have another year to look at him. If he shows that incremental growth again, this season, then, you know, the Baker doubters, um, you know, need to take a, take a look at what they're saying. Now, now when it comes to Damashek, because I, he and I have had like a friendly war over the Steelers and Browns forever. Um, I, the other thing from a Browns angle, if you're a Steelers fan, it's like you went to the playoffs once, um, for the first time in a million years. You won a playoff game. It came against Pittsburgh. A lot of Browns fans are talking. I get where Dave is coming from in terms of maybe his version of Browns exhaustion. Um, but, you know, he and I can talk that out another time. And then I want to ask, is he still living at the stadium, Baker? Not that I, I don't believe okay. so. I mean, like, I, like they no. got to end these commercials. Like, <laughs> well, I think any commercial that go like the campaign we had, yeah. I was surprised there was a second year of it. I mean, let's, Let's go and let's do some new stuff. I'm with you. How do you see the AFC North uh, finishing out this year? Because there's a lot of parity. Who do, who do you think stands atop the rest? You know, the Steelers and Ravens have really rough schedules and the Browns aren't far behind them. It, it isn't going to be like last year. You know, they, they got the NFC East um, and they got, they seem to get all these NFC East teams at the right time. Um, and, and I think that inflated Pittsburgh's start. It inflated Baltimore's record. It inflated Cleveland's. Um, it's going to be a tougher road this time. It's, it's the NFC North, I believe. But outside of that, like you've got a Ravens team and a Browns team. You know, it used to, if you were the Ravens and Steelers, you could just look at Cincinnati and Cleveland and say, we're going three and one at worst against those two teams. And we're going to probably wind up with a bye or a, you know, a high seed in the AFC because of it. That, that division is getting a little nastier. And I think with Burrow you know, healthy, assuming he's totally ready to go, um, the Bengals are a different type of team. If you look at their offensive weapons, they're not the same old Bengals. Um, I have a few questions about the coaching staff, but I would ticket them fourth. Um, the Steelers to me, look at like, I don't like doubting them because whenever I've done that in the past, they tend to prove you wrong, but on paper right now, there's questions at quarterback with big Ben, um, your offensive line has issues. Um, you got Najee Harris. So you've solved the running back thing, but there are problems on that offensive side of the ball inside in terms of how, you know, how do you protect big Ben? So I, I would just put them, I think, from a talent angle on paper, third. Um, but I would say the Browns maybe are like one game better than the Steelers. And then the Ravens are maybe right there with the Browns or a game better. I mean, Cleveland has not really done much against the Lamar Jackson Ravens other than two seasons ago when it's a bit of an outlier, they, they roughed them up. Uh, they, they, that Monday night game last year, they hung with them. Um, but for Cleveland, for me to put Cleveland number one, they are on paper, but I think they need to go show they can do it on the field. So I give the Ravens a little bit of an advantage. And I want to ask you for the teams that selected a quarterback in the first round, do you see any of them having a playoff ceiling this year? Well, I think Trey Lance, I mean, I don't know Trey Lance, how many games he'll start. I, I always tend to think that it's more than we think in April with any of these first round rookie quarterbacks, but they should have been a playoff team last year. And they just, they were so banged up. Um, you know, I do believe in Kyle Shanahan. That's a playoff team that could be, you know, one of the best teams in the NFC. Uh, you know, the Jets, I think they're going to be a much more interesting club. Um, playoffs is strong. Their roster still has holes. You know, I look at the, the Bears were a playoff team and went and got Justin Fields. That's one of my favorite moments in the entire draft because I think it changes what you think about the Bears. So, you know, they're in a, the Vikings and Lions um, make that NFC North manageable for Chicago. And if, if Aaron Rodgers were to depart from Green Bay, everything changes for Chicago right away. So I'd put the bears in there. Um, 
I'd have to think who I'll, you know, in terms of Jacksonville, no, I, I don't think that's, that's really realistic, but Mac Jones in new England. I mean, yeah, the, the Patriots loaded up. And if, if Mac Jones, I could see Cam Newton opening the year. And if Mac Jones is ready to go, um, playing a playoff game. Absolutely. I don't, I think it's kind of a better situation for some of these teams than in years past, because it isn't just the worst teams taking quarterbacks, you know, legit teams are moving up to get quarterbacks and it's happening in free agency too. going after Matthew Stafford, the way that the Rams did is something that you would never have really seen um, years ago in, 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 you know, creating a divorce with Jared Goff. It's like, they just think a little bit differently. And then with Washington, they obviously didn't take a quarterback. They didn't trade for one. They didn't trade up for one of the first. They didn't take a quarterback the entire seven rounds. W what do you see their season outlook being like? Well, they'll be interesting because I think they're well-built. Like they're, you can, you can believe in the roster and it's, it's so much more, um, it's so much deeper and more intriguing than it was a couple of years ago. And what we've been seeing from Ryan Fitzpatrick, he just, Ryan Fitzpatrick just seems to be like comfortable in his own skin, comfortable with life. And like, if you get the good version of him and they've got weapons on that offense, like they could be really frisky and Taylor Heineke, I think also, you know, showed a little bit. Um, they like Kyle Allen, probably a little bit too much. I, but I, but these, you know, there's the, there's Washington and there's Carolina who did not go after a quarterback. And I, I, and I, I get the Sam Darnold um, potential upside, but I do wonder if Carolina who passed on Justin Fields, I don't have a problem with them pass, passing on Mac Jones, but to pass on Justin Fields, that's just one of those things where people are going to be remembering about that and thinking about that for a long time to come. If Justin Fields goes to Chicago and completely evolves into something special. I think Sam Darnold's going to approach 4,000 passing yards this year. Well, he's in such a better situation. I mean, in that offense also has a lot around him. And it's fair, you know, I think there's just people in all these different camps. There's people in the camp that like Sam Darnold is an awesome quarterback who was in a bad situation. And the other camp I think is Sam Darnold actually didn't play very well. And we've seen other quarterbacks on bad teams, you know, lift their team up. And Sam Darnold, A, was not durable. Um, this, you know, he, he, he can't count on him for 16 games and he wasn't very good and he's turnover prone. Now, I mean, I, he's, the, he's the perfect example of like, you have to throw out everything we've seen and call it a fresh start and use fresh eyes. And then I wanted to ask you, um, so obviously we just finished up the draft. Apparently next draft, there's going to be a, even more quarterbacks available. Are there any teams in the league this year that you think might be on the last year of their maybe long time or uh, kind of project quarterback? Well, I mean, if the right quarterback comes along and you're in the right place, the answer would be almost every team. I mean, unless you've got one of those, like a Patrick Mahomes type. But when I, you know, look at the Minnesota Vikings, because there is already reports that they were prepared to trade up for their quarterback of choice. And I think that, you know, they're realistic about who Kirk Cousins is. He has like $35 million guaranteed next year, but that would be a one-year thing. And I know they took Kellen Mond, but that, that doesn't matter to me. Like, Again, it's like any quarterback after this, this first second, after the second round, like you just go and get that guy. So, uh, you know, I, the teams we mentioned, like the, the whole thing with like Carolina, they talked high about Teddy Bridgewater, then moved on from him. They could be very quickly to move on from Sam Bradford and get their quarterback. I mean, their owner really liked Justin Fields too. I mean, and, and, and so did Matt Rule. So I'm, that's why I'm mystified with that. Um, but thinking around, it's like there aren't as many teams as there used to be that have huge issues at quarterback. I, I think that, you know, if, if some of these, if, if you get a veteran that flames out, I mean, I don't want to say Cleveland, but if like Baker Mayfield had a really tough season, um, they're a bold organization right now. They, they could make a change, but I wouldn't peg them for that at this point. 
Um, anything in New England could happen. And, you know, the one place I'd look at, if Tua really, really struggled in Miami, if he really did, um, then I think they're also a bold organization. And I think Jared Goff is sort of probably waiting to be um, replaced in Detroit at some point too. Do you, do you expect Rodgers to get traded this year? Would you be surprised if it happens? I wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point on, in that narrative or anything in the NFL. I think the thing about it's exciting for fans and for covering the sport in the last two or three years, like whatever used to be done, the old, the old way, the old Vanguard has just been completely blown up. And again, like you pointed to like, when is the highest value? If, if, a, if a playoff contender lost their quarterback to injury and came to the Packers and he was refusing to play for Green Bay and it was a place he was open to go, I mean, that's how these things happen. I mean, these things happen off of like, sometimes it can be a, a quick succession of phone calls. Sometimes there could be a team secretly talking to Green Bay right now that we're not thinking about, you know, that is prepared to do everything. What are the Houston Texans going to do? I don't trust them, you know, like to do anything smart right now. But I mean, there are, there are going, the landscape will change always at quarterback. And, you know, do I think, would I be surprised if it happens? Yes, right now, but I don't, I don't, I just don't see him being there for a long time unless the money can do it. And then I want to ask you got a, a one last question for you. Who, who's your breakout team for, for 2021? Who's a team that's going to shock the world and make the playoffs potentially go on a run? Well, I think there's a couple. Um, I mean, if we're talking about someone coming from like far away, purgatory, I would keep purgatory. An eye. Yeah. I keep an eye on the Broncos. If, if a, if Teddy played really well, um, if Drew Locke actually was good or if they got Aaron Rodgers, I think if they ever got Aaron Rodgers, that's like their roster on offense in is Super Bowl worthy and their and their defense um, is fantastic. If, if healthy under Vic Fangio, uh, I, 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 I have a kind of a special feeling about the Jets. I just think that with Robert Sala um, as coach and with with Mike LaFleur on offense running like a Kyle Shanahan attack that. They could, they could sneak up. Um, it's just been such a sea change there. I mean, it's not like, look what happened last year. You get a couple trash bag teams that made it to the wild card round. So I'm not saying, you know, they're going to shock the nation with the record, but could the Jets go nine and seven if Zach Wilson were awesome? Um, yeah, why not? And then they, could they sneak into a playoff game? Why not? And, I, you know, I, I, I like the idea of the Bengals too, um, except just that division's too rough. It's too rough. And I think the other teams I would mention are, are ones where we wouldn't be surprised by it. The Chargers, to me, could be a Super Bowl team um, with Justin Herbert. They really could. And I think Brandon Staley is going to surprise a lot of people. But I don't think that's – um, I think a lot of people think, feel that way about the Chargers. One of the names I expected you to say that you didn't, I want to ask you about, is the Colts. Did they do enough for you this offseason? Well, I think – I wouldn't be surprised if they were a playoff team. I mean, I think the thing is, like, you've got to you, – you need to find out what – Carson Wentz to me is kind of in that Sam Darnold thing, except he has a much better track record. I mean, um, he's got a good offense around him that like, you know, once they get Eric Fisher back at left tackle, and that should be like, it sounds like about, you know, four or five games in that offensive line is just um, so much better in, than what he was dealing with in Philly last year. And, and you can look at last year and you can, again, you can blame him um, or you can blame the Eagles, but you could blame them both because there were also games where I thought Carson Wentz walked into sacks um, through a couple of totally beguiling passes that turned into pick sixes and interceptions. And it's like got into his head. And so, you know, pairing him with Frank Reich, um, everyone says that that'll do it. And if it will, and if he plays like he did, you know, in seasons prior, 
um, they're in really good shape. And I mean, it's, it's, he could be the equal of, of Phil Rivers there. And they are a playoff team to me. And there's whispers that they are one of the teams um, in on trading for Julio Jones, and they've got the money to do it. So if you ever added Julio Jones to that, because the Falcons need to trade Julio Jones because of their money situation, not because they don't like him. Um, so if the Colts pulled that off, you look at them entirely differently. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that, that's really the only question I really have for you. Um, how can people follow you on social media, keep up with you and check out the around the NFL podcast. Uh, so I'm just on Twitter at Mark Sessler, uh, Mark with a C and we have our shows um, are two times a week right now. Uh, it's typically sort of Monday, Thursday, but we'll change it up a little bit. Um, you know, we have a show actually this Wednesday uh, aligned with the schedule release. Um, and we have a Friday show on NFL network. Um, that airs at various times. Um, check your local listings because I don't know the exact times. And that's about it. There's there's other things going on. But once the season gets going, we do more and more shows and we'll, ra we'll ramp up significantly. So Awesome. Awesome. It's always a pleasure having you on. I do appreciate it. Can't wait for the schedule release tomorrow night. I know the teams are going to do something different creative and virtual and figure that out and then and then i think i saw september 9th is the opener so hopefully yep. that comes, comes goes out quickly but this has been it was always a pleasure all right you too thank you my next guest is a three-time super bowl champion a three-time pro bowler a member of the college football hall of fame but more importantly he's now a recurring guest of this show ladies and gentlemen mr randy cross randy has everything going for you i'm doing great thanks appreciate it Absolutely. So I don't know if you've been catching on with this uh, Tebow news. Apparently he's, he's joining the Jags. Well, what are your thoughts on this? He's been out of the league for eight years. And now he might be started tight end week one. Well, uh, who knows? Um, you know, Urban Meyer's the head coach there. And I guess he, uh, Tim, Tim Tebow found himself a, uh, a receptive ear. Uh, you know, he's not going to play outfield or have any at bats. That's for sure. So, uh, Hey, if if he's still got some of the juice left, what what's what's the hurt? You know, get let him let him see what a tight end, what really getting hit feels like. He's played quarterback. <laughs> let, let him see what getting really hit over the middle by a safety uh, feels like. But you know, there's a lot of guys that have played in the league that would lo love to come back in another incarnation. So hopefully, it enables some of them to do it if he can pull it off. Do you see this lasting or do you see this as a two week experiment and then he's not going to make the team? Uh, you know, it's been eight years since he really played football. So I, I highly doubt it, but he's never really stopped training. So I guess that would be the one hope he would have. I, I don't know. I, it's uh, I, I would, I'd wish him or anybody else that would try this the best of luck eight years past uh, the last time you played. Because um, it's, it's a cliche, but the game is truly different now than it was when he was actually playing. Yeah. Apparently, the last time he was playing, Trevor Lawrence was 12. That's, that's only part of it. Yeah. Yeah. He was a quarterback, winning, you know, winning a national championship, and then going to Denver. Had some success. I mean, the playoff game and whatnot. But, hey, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, at this point, be, let's be honest, the Jaguars could use all the positive attention they can get. Ironically, Mercedes Lewis has been in the league for 45 years, but he's not on Jacksonville anymore, so they can't use him. So it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. Um, so we just wrapped up the draft last weekend. Um, you guys, San Fran, made a ton of moves. And I honestly, we're probably the biggest storyline of the entire draft because at pick three, 
nobody had any idea who um, the Niners were taking. What were your thoughts on their selection and then the draft as a whole? I'm happy for them. I hope they got who they wanted. Um, and obviously when you spend that much uh, sort of equity to get up to the three spot, you better damn well think you're going to take the guy you, you want and the guy that you think can be the best. It's a, it's a future project. It's not a, you know, it's not a, this is the church of what's happening now kind of a, kind of a pick. So that means, you know, Jimmy G is the quarterback, you know, going forward. And the one thing, no matter who's at quarterback right now that I think, you know, pretty sure about San Francisco, you know, for me, they're in the top four. They're in the, you know, if there was a final four in the NFL, as far as going to the Super Bowl, they'd be in it uh, in the preseason. But as we all know, preseason doesn't mean a whole lot. But, uh, man, they look good on paper, especially the part of the paper where you see all the bodies got, got, they got, got, they have back coming back off IR. Yeah. Um, do, you, did you, do you think they were sold on Lance from the beginning? Or did, did, who did you think they were going to take? Um, did I think they, they had to be sold on him from the beginning? Um, I don't think there was much of an alternative. I thought there was a chance they would take Mac Jones. I thought there was a chance that would they, they would take Justin Fields. But, you know, Mac Jones, to me, is a totally different quarterback than almost all the other guys that, you know, those, those, those power five that everyone had in the top ten. Um, Mac's a little different. Mac's, you know, not the most mobile, mobile dude in, the, in, in that group. But, man, the ball comes out of his hand fast. It's really, really accurate. And I just thought the sort of the meeting of the minds between the Shanahan system and what he does well and what he's done well for, for uh, Nick Saban would go really well. But, you know, heck, let's be honest. <laughs> the, uh, the best place he could have possibly ended up was in New England with Bill Belichick. That's, I tell you, you can talk about everybody else in the uh, AFC East Belichick getting him um, will make a big difference, a bigger difference than I think maybe any other rookie coming in this year in that division. I have a question. This is a, is a prediction of mine based on nothing. Do you think they uh, consulted on your old friend Joe on who to take at all? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, they, they might have. They've got, they've got another pretty good old football player in John Lynch as a GM. Uh, who's proven he knows the horse trading business pretty good. And uh, that whole organization, I think, did a, did a great job of sort of playing the old poker face thing down to the very end. And the fewer people they consulted, the better. Yeah. Um, and then to, you, you don't think he's going to be out there week one. You still think it's Jimmy Garoppolo? I, I don't think so. I mean, the kids played, what, 12, 13, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, counting the playoff games, he's played 16 or 17 games in, in, since high school. Yeah. Uh, no, odds would say no. But, you know, it's it's incumbent on these NFL teams, and it's something we've talked about and, and I've talked about a lot in these last couple of weeks, is the NFL has really gotten smart in that they put a lot of the things that the kids are comfortable with into their offenses, be they receivers or running backs, but especially quarterbacks. And if you can make a, a, a quarterback more comfortable, you can make him more successful, especially early. Um, that doesn't mean 
you always run that and he'll never run what you quote unquote call an NFL offense, whatever the hell an NFL offense is these days that everybody's running the spread and doing all the, you know, the stuff and trying to keep up with Andy Reed and, and everything that Patrick Mahomes can do. Um, so I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a great sign that they'd be able and willing to do that, but I wouldn't anticipate him being a huge contributor from the jump. I, I would, He'll see the field, you know, I, I would think in some uh, plus plus zone areas, red zone areas, um, you would see some things put into the game plan for, for Lance. Because when you see him, when a defense sees him, what are they going to think of? They're going to think of his mobility. And at least initially till he proves that, you know, he can solve the puzzle of an NFL defense and whatnot. Teams that will commit to the run against him will be at a severe disadvantage if they can come up with stuff with him throwing the ball. So it it would be a good idea to get him, uh, get him comfortable as fast as possible, but there is definitely no rush under under making that happen. Do you think they're the best team on paper in the NFC West right now? Oh yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think they're, they're very, very strong. I mean, I like that whole division. That whole division, that's that's going to be fun. I mean, Seattle's got my favorite quarterback in that division. Um, Russell Wilson, you know, talk about he's kind of the Rodney Dangerfield of the current NFL quarterbacks. He's He gets no respect up there in the witness protection program. But, you know, every, every year you look at him halfway through the season and people are saying, you know what, this guy's really good. He could be an MVP. And by week 10 or 12, they forget about him. And by the end of the year, they're going, well, what'll Seattle? Well, they got Russell. He's pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, the guy's ungodly. He's, he's really extraordinary. And I just sort of wish everybody or more people appreciated that. Are you worried about the Rams or the Cardinals at all? Or do you think they're just average teams right now? No, I don't think the, the, the Rams are with Stafford at quarterback and with McVay. That'll be a hell of a combination, but there'll be a lot of new ground kind of gone over, you know, for him. He's a smart guy. I mean, Matt's a really sharp quarterback. Um, I'd say the same about, you know, Tyler Murray at Arizona. He has even a more, more of an advantage as good a coach as McVay is. I think what Cliff Kingsbury does just goes like, matches up perfectly with what Kyler does and that makes them you know inseparable and I think the the more they learn about each other I mean the heck with the offense the heck with the the other guys even but as much as is more the more those two guys learn about each other the more dangerous that offense is going to get did you have any feelings on draft night after the bombshell report about Aaron Rodgers wanting out that there was any chance that maybe they moved that number three pick for Rodgers? You know, I, it's to me, it's crazy. Um, you know, but I think people that study history, especially of NFL quarterbacks that get to, you know, the mid to upper teens <laughs> in the number of years in the, in their career, you know, they're, they, they become somebody that can be moved. Uh, they can become somebody that can get sort of old and groups get tired, you know, of them. All Aaron Rodgers did last year was be the MVP in case people kind of forgot. 
Um, I, I don't know. The way they've handled that, though, is flipping terrible. I mean, they, they've basically made a how-not-to book about how to handle a star player because you just read through how they did this and everything they did just about, you go, okay, don't do that. Um, and how is it going to work out? I mean, I personally, the way it looks right now, unless they just take a tractor trailer full of cash and dump it in his lap, I don't think he's going to be a Packer next year. No. Do you, do you think he, you think he'd actually retire? Because they, they're saying they will move him. Yeah. Right. They, they, they say whoever they are. Um, no, I, I know everybody's saying I won't, you know, like he's saying I won't play there and they say he's our guy and we we're, we can't move him. There is nobody. If you've learned anything watching the NFL over the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, there's almost no such thing as an unmovable player or an uncuttable player. Um, that just, that just happens. And if it, and if there's any weakness shown in this thing, um, there are teams out there that'll take pretty fast advantage of it. If Aaron Rodgers had a, had a competent front office and a competent coaching staff and adequate weapons, his whole career, would he have as many or more Super Bowl rings than you? Uh, let's see. He's got one. Oh, one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, he'd be he'd be in the three to four, at least category. I think uh, you know a lot that's happened with that football team hasn't been related to what they've done offensively. That's for sure. Yeah, and then um, so going back to the um to the NFC West, you guys brought in uh, you got Trent Williams from Washington last year for nothing, which was great. Um, and then you guys gave him basically gave him a blank check. What are you expecting from him him this year? Because I think he's what 32? 32? Who's that? Trent, I'm sorry, Trent, Trent Williams. Oh, Trent Williams, I, I expect from day one there to be defensive ends all over the league that'll have seven-day hamstring pulls <laughs> and that will have headaches that won't go away and will have, well, any excuse they can get not to play against Trent Williams. Um, I think the guy's the guy sick. He's, he is as good as we've seen at that position. Uh, as far as a combination of how he can protect the quarterback, how he can mug his opponent, how he, I mean, it just, that's, that's the guy I would make. If I was to make a highlight reel and just show it around to young offensive linemen, but specifically young offensive tackles of this current group, that's the one player I would take and say, there you go. And the fact that he's 32, 33, that's called being a full grown adult for an offensive lineman. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's in his prime right now. And will he play out his deal? Yeah, maybe, but I tell you, he's going to beat the snot out of people for a good, good bit of that deal. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to ask you, so we had two top um, offensive lineman prospects go in the top. I think it's in the top 12 this year, top, top 13. Mm-hmm. And, um, Panesul from Oregon and uh, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Did you take a look at their tape at all before they were drafted or after? Do you have any thoughts on their game? Oh, yeah. Um, I like Slater. Slater's good. He's athletic. Um, He moves really nice as far as his feet and his ability to slide and work with his hands and his hand placement is nice. Um, 
And I, I, I think he'll be a day one contributor and a, you know, if it works out the right way, one of those 10 year old linemen, you know, is he going to be just a tackle just a? He's one of those guys you can see him almost almost playing anywhere. Um, but Penny Sewell, to me, there were two guys in this draft that I thought were possible, like generation skipping type talents. You know, LT was that. Jerry Rice was that. You, you've had Aaron Donald as that kind of a guy. Um, but I thought Kyle Pitts and Penny Sewell were the best pure football players in this draft. No offense to no offense at all meant to Trevor Lawrence or anybody else that went before him because talent level has, as we've learned, talent level is not a good indication of where you're going to go in the draft. Uh, it's about need and it's about image and it's about a lot of other stuff. So, but I love Penny Sewell. I mean, there's, there's not much he can't do. Uh, he's, it's funny. It used to be a huge detriment and a huge disadvantage if you didn't play the year before by injury or any other reason and that's it's one of the major upsets coming out of this draft was the fact that all these opt-out guys um the majority of the really good opt-out guys they went as high if not higher than they would have um and that's that to me it's pretty impressive and he's a great example of that i i think it's less miles on his body it's less wear and tear on his body and in his size and his strength and his movement ability. And he's got the same thing Slater's got and a few other guys in this draft. They've got that, that kind of nasty dog in him, like Trent Williams has, yeah. um, you know, the best thing those young linemen could do, you know, as soon as Penn Sewell gets to Detroit full-time, ask his offensive line coach, can I get a highlight reel of Trent Williams? <laughs> That's how you play offensive tackle. <laughs> I think you're going to say, ask Lomas Brown what he's doing on Saturday. Um, there you go. Yeah. Um, and then Washington here in the nation's capital got a Sam Cosme from Texas. Have you taken a look at his game at all? What do you, what do you think of him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. You start after the draft, before the draft, you hear about athleticism. Before the draft, you hear about fits. Um, now, after the draft, you're starting to hear stuff about, well, you know, he might be a guy that needs to sit and watch for a while. And you don't ever hear that about offensive line. Yeah. You don't ever hear about that, about running backs or why. I mean, usually that's a quarterback thing. So if he gets a chance to do that, I mean, I saw him on tape a good bit. Uh, watched him, watched him on tape and on TV quite a bit watching the games, you know, watching Texas games. Uh, I think he's good. I think he's got the ability to be, again, a, a decade kind of a guy. But there's little things he's gonna have to he's gonna have to work on. I think the the knee bending bending at the knees and not at the hips, um, his you know his footwork and the quickness and the repetitive nature of his feet, uh, I think can be can be a little bit better, and they can work on things like that. But it, it'll be a it'll be a sharp learning curve for him. It's, it's a sharp learning curve for any rookie. I can tell you from experience because there's a huge difference between playing against young men. And full-grown adults that you're taking money off their—they're taking—you're taking money and food off their table. And I want to ask you: so this Niners also got—they grabbed a lineman in the second round as well. Uh, Aaron mm -hmm. Banks, where he at Notre Dame? What do Notre you, Dame, yeah. What do you think of him? Like him? That name. You like him? I like him a lot, a lot. He'll fit in really well there, really well. Um, 
And that scheme, you know, they like to run that inside zone and that outside zone. Uh, a lot of the same kind of things he did at Notre Dame uh, as far as how he's going to have to block guys and move guys and, and work. So, no, I like that pick. I thought that pick was, was excellent. I think that Notre Dame offensive line, heck, over the last decade or so, has consistently year in and year out been right there. And I know as a, as a voter for the Joe Moore Award, you know, we get a chance to look at an awful lot of tape. And Notre Dame's been, been impressive for a while. And it's because of guys like he. And I think the, the first group that really got people's attention was uh, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey group that played the way they did because they were playing in college like we were just talking about Trent Williams. That's how those guys played at Notre Dame. And part of that attitude and part of that standard is what Banks had to live up to at Notre Dame. So he's kind of got that in his blood. Then I want to ask you about the Niners defense. So Robert Sala obviously took the head coaching job at the Jets and former yeah. NFL linebacker D'Amico Ryan's God, taking over. God, God, God bless Sala and best of luck because he's going to need it. <laughs> How, do you, do you, what are you expecting from the Jets this year with him? Do you, you think it's going to be a, a shit show or you think he can turn that, that whole thing around? I hope he can. I hope he's a great guy and he's an excellent football coach. Um, it's a, it's a tough culture to overcome. It's a tough area to win in period. Um, you know, Zach Wilson's already kind of found that out early on, just so sort of some of the reaction there in, in the New York market, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's more than just coaching. If it was just knowing football and coaching, I'd say, you know, Robert Sala could take that team to eight and eight pretty quick and could have a winning record in, you know, the next couple of years. But, you know, just being a good guy and a good coach doesn't have that all that much to do with it anymore. And then with the with the Niners defense, obviously have a new D coordinator, D'Amico Ryan's. Um, some moving pieces around, but you're getting a couple guys uh, back healthy, including Nick Bosa. I'm, I saw some rivers. Apparently, Sherman's possibly back in the mix. Corner. Um, what, what are you expecting from that defense this year? Because I know they underperformed last year, especially with all the injuries they had. Yeah, the injuries absolutely killed their defense. I mean, you look at their their D line, their defensive ends specifically. Um, they were they were they were walking wounded. They really were. It was crazy all the way through that defense, how many injuries they had. Boza got the most the most kind of pub when he went out. But, you know, no one knows until they start playing games. You know, people people look at you. You know, obviously, I do a lot of radio shows and stuff like that. And when I've done things in the Bay Area, I know they get very, very tired of me always defaulting to a simple kind of an ism. Um, but it's availability. And it's injuries and you got nothing. It, it's why coaches sometimes only last a couple of years, you know, as head coaches and they go back to being great assistants. You can't control injuries. You can't control. There's so many things you can't control, but right at the top of that list is injuries. And last year's Niner season and specifically what happened to that defense is a great example of how you can go from, you know, pure joy to pure. Oh no. Uh, on a weekly basis. So. I'm expecting those guys to be all the way back full strength. You know, they won't be overstressing them in training camp, not that they do in training camp anymore. And uh, mercifully, the, the preseason is a little shorter this year yeah. and the regular season 17 games. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. They've, they've got a lot of guys on that defense that play a lot like uh, their 
defensive coordinator did. And when I thought of, you know, I used to cover D'Amico Ryans when he was, when he was young as a player in Houston, um, that guy can go and he had a motor like crazy. And that's what his guys will be like. And when you think of go down a list of the talent on that defense, that's what they do. That's their MO. So I think it's a, it's a great combination, you know, bringing him around those guys. Yeah. And I just got one, one last question for you. So I know you've watched a ton of college football over the past year. Um, are there any guys who maybe slipped in the draft, maybe names, guys kind of went under the radar that you maybe you like their fits or names that we're going to start hearing about a lot more than we did during the draft? Um, you know, not really. You know, the running backs, it's, it's a little jolting to see where some of the running backs ended up going you know, like a Chuba Hubbard and people like that, that, you know, can really play uh, with this style of game because they were in the same kind of style in college. Um, but no, not really. You know, it's, I think the, the, the media, we in the media have done a good job of kind of training people um, and not always in a positive way to equate not being a first day draft pick with disappointment or you know not being a first or second day draft pick with insults you know really when it comes down to playing in the nfl there's only one thing you've got to have and that's an opportunity whether you're drafting the first the third the seventh free agent whatever it is if you get a chance that's all you can ask for and uh you know, so from my perspective, I just think there's guys that are going to get paid less their first contract than others. That's the only designation. It's 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 the money difference is all that yeah. the difference in opportunities really are. Yeah. And then to, um, how can people find you on social media? I don't One last question. You post a lot of barbecue. What was up with you talk about that all bit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I've got, in fact, my Kamado Joe's right over here. I do a lot. I just uh, my just sent my wife to Costco. She's coming back with, you know, four big chickens and uh, let's see, a brisket and uh, a pork shoulder, and that's going to be my project over the next couple of couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I I love I love to barbecue. I love to cook in general, but especially smoking and barbecues. Uh, it's fun. Plus, it's it's fantastic to post oh, yeah. on social media. You know what? Because all the idiots, all the trolls. Even they can't argue with food. They try sometimes, but it's really hard to argue with food or, you know, make stupid comments about, you know, chicken or, you know, pork belly. I, I do, excuse me, I do get the occasional, what's your cholesterol level? Or, you know, how do you get, a, how can you have all that in your diet? It's like, eh, that's my problem, not yours. Bye-bye. <laughs> I have a question. What's the best barbecue joint you've ever been to? Um... Well, I'm currently out here on my back deck. I would say this right here. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And then um, and I'll tag your social media and everything to it, but I do appreciate you taking the time to chat for a few minutes. I can't wait until football gets back. Glad we still have some basketball because when it's just baseball, there's nothing on TV. So, but I do appreciate yeah. you taking the time. No problem at all. My pleasure. My pleasure.